0: Well, good morning everybody. Good to see you on this final Sunday of the elephant in the room. I hope you've been looking and seeing the elephant in the room, right? Maybe you didn't find joy in one of the other rooms, but I hope you've noticed the elephant in the room. It's money, it's generosity, it's that topic that can sometimes be awkward in the life of the church, right? And so uh, several months ago we chose this theme because it just matches what we need to do, which is express our understanding of God's generosity in our lives so that we can share our generosity towards God for the life that God gives to us. We've talked about uh, sort of facing our fears. We've talked about trusting God. Today we're going to talk about a topic that seems a little strange, quite honestly. Uh, We're going to talk about wastefulness, not exactly a topic that we often think of when we think of generosity, and yet it's a funny concept because there are things we do in our lives that really are quite wasteful, right? Even though we do them, I know I do, like scrolling through social media, you know, and you realize after 10, 30, 45 minutes, you've wasted time, right? Or you go on binges on the television with television shows on streaming media, and you realize five hours later you've watched several shows, right? Just wasteful. And then those highly productive dialogues we have on social media about um, politics. (laughs) Wasteful, right? I mean, that never changed my mind. I'm not going to change anybody else's mind, right? It just doesn't work. We do these wasteful things sometimes, and it doesn't help, but we do them anyway. And then there are things that we do that may seem like a waste or feel like a waste but really aren't. I mean, like making your bed in the morning. Doesn't that feel like a waste? Do You know, I was 24 years old and newly married before I realized I was supposed to make the bed every day. It feels like a waste. I mean, you're just going to mess it up later in the evening, right? Why do it? Why mow the lawn? It's just going to keep growing. It feels like a waste. Why wash the dishes? They're just going to get dir- dirty, right? I mean, that's why we have a dog. He licks it clean. We put it back in the cupboard. (laughs) He does a good job. We don't really do that. He does lick the plates, but we don't put them back. It does feel sometimes like we do wasteful things, and it doesn't feel like they can often be productive, and yet sometimes they can be very productive. You know, there are these studies out uh, that have proven that when we make our beds in the morning, we're more productive, right? Because you've already achieved something. You've already made something neat and nice, and you're ready to go. One of the Joint Chiefs of Staff recently said, that's one of the things he says to his uh, cadets, is that they need to make their beds first thing in the morning. I mean, sometimes it becomes very productive, even though it may feel as though it's a waste of time. And it's funny when we think of generosity. I know we don't think this cognitively, but I often wonder if we don't imagine that giving and generosity are kind of a waste. Right On on, on one end of the spectrum, there's this sense of, um, golly, I could sure use that money to pay my bills or to go on a vacation or to buy a new home or whatever, right? It seems wasteful rather than giving it to God, right? And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's, well, I don't feel like I can give very much or I don't feel as though I can afford much, so my little pittance won't make any difference at all. It feels like a waste, right? And, And so sometimes I think we consider generosity a waste, not consciously, but sort of in our hearts and in our minds. And it causes us to feel as though we can't or we won't. And I want to suggest that generosity really may seem wasteful, but generosity quite literally is really beneficial, like making our bed or mowing the lawn or washing the dishes. It's not wasteful. It's really quite purposeful. It helps us to develop a relationship with God. It helps us to better understand why we want to be generous. It's a fascinating sort of circle that helps claim for us a purpose in our generosity. Whether it's our everyday giving or whether it's our giving uh, to the church, it helps us to develop something that's very important. Generosity helps us to develop a deep relationship with God that's based in gratitude and trust. And there's a wonderful story in Scripture that helps us better understand this gratitude and trust that becomes the basis upon which we want to make an offering God. Comes from a unique book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. It's actually one of the very first um, offerings that's made in Scripture. And it comes to us from the flood story, Noah. You remember Noah, right? He's told to build an ark, and he does so, he obeys God, he puts the animals in, they hang out in the ark for a long time, and then they come out. And that's where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 8. Because the story in Genesis chapter 8 is really quite profound in terms of the way in which Noah trusts God and offers something that quite literally feels very wasteful and yet is a profound gift of gratitude. Listen to the story beginning in verse 15. Then God said to Noah, you and your wife, your sons and their wives, should go out of the boat. Bring every animal out of the boat with you, the birds, the animals, everything that crawls on the earth. Let them have many young ones so that they might grow in number." So Noah went out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, every animal, everything that crawls on the earth, and every bird that went out of the boat by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of all the clean birds and animals, and he burned them on the altar as an offering to God. Doesn't that sound wasteful to you? Doesn't that sound odd at the least, that he takes some of the animals that he's just spent saving and he's going to make an offering of them? I mean, think of it, if you will. The Scriptures tell us that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights while they were on the boat, but the waters lasted for 150 days. They were on that boat for 150 days with all of those animals. Woo! that doesn't sound pleasant at all. Five months worth of... you know, sort of being all cooped up with every animal on the planet, birds above, right, animals below, all of the stench, all of the stuff, right? So that when you come out, I don't know about you, but for me, I would have inhaled deeply the fresh air. I would have perhaps even gotten down on my knees and kissed the ground because I got off the boat and celebrated that fact, but not Noah. It tells us there in verse 20 that the very first thing he did off of that boat was worship God. And in particular, not just any form of worship, but in particular, he offered, he made an offering to God, right? He built an altar. He takes some of those animals that he had just saved, spent 150 days with, and he kills them and burns them on an altar. It feels very wasteful. Like, why did you save them? Like, why were you there? I mean, what was the whole purpose? I mean, it feels as though your job was to save the animals so that they could repopulate the earth, right? I mean, that's what the whole story's about. But there's a deep purpose to his offering and to his worship. The purpose was to help prove, if you will, or point out, God, I'm grateful I'm grateful that you saved my family. I'm, I'm grateful that you saved these animals. I'm grateful that we get to repopulate the earth and replenish your creation. Most of us think of the flood story as the negative, right? God is upset with the people, and they've done bad, and so God just, you know, annihilates everybody and floods the earth. Well, that's the first part of the story for sure. But the whole point of the flood washing away the bad and cleansing us from the bad and making clean all things new, it's like baptism. It's like a new creation. God has swept over the earth and washed away the bad and brought the new, right? And that's what Noah was excited about. Noah was excited that he got to live, his family got to live, and they and all the animals get to repopulate the globe. It is a powerful story of a recreation. And Noah's story is one of deep gratitude and sincere trust that somehow God's going to make a way where there seemed no way. I mean, the animals were to be saved for procreation, and he's going to take some of them and kill them and lift up this fragrant aroma to God in what feels quite wasteful but is a generous and extravagant act of gratitude. And I, I feel confident that not only was God pleased, but Noah was pleased with what he did. Because a part of what he did was help us to see and feel the realities of generosity. You see, the realities of generosity is that an offering, like what he gave and what he made, an offering is not functional. It doesn't have a functional purpose. An offering is, on the other hand, spiritual. That's its purpose, right? It wasn't a functional thing to do. made no logical sense whatsoever to take those animals and and kill them and burn them. That wasn't functional. It was about his spiritual sense of calling to acknowledge his gratitude and his trust to God and then to make that offering. In fact, what offerings do is they, they seem wasteful, but they are really quite purposeful in how they help us find a relationship with God. That's the purpose of an offering. Are there functional outcomes? Absolutely. The lights bill gets paid and salaries get paid. That's an outcome. But the purpose of the offering that Noah points out and highlights for us is that we want to make an offering to God because we desire this relationship with God. In fact, a part of that relationship quite literally means what I want to do is honor God and give thanks to God. That's the purpose of an offering. I want to honor who God is and what God has done, and I simply want to give thanks for all that has been and all that can be, because that's the way God works, right? God is a God of all creation, a a, a God of all things good, and God who puts all things into place. And the powerful good news of that is that we can simply say thank you by making an offering to God. But sometimes we we feel as though, golly, I could use that elsewhere, or maybe my little offering won't make any difference, and so I feel like it's a waste. And so I either don't do it, or I feel as though I can't do it. And what I want to suggest is that that's an issue of the heart as well as the head, because there are kind of levels of giving that we ought to sort of move through to help us reach the point that Noah had reached, because Noah had no bones about the unfunctionability of his offering. He had every sense of the purposefulness of his offering. I reckon uh, there are at least three levels of giving, and these levels we want to try to migrate through because we've all been in any one of those levels at some point in our lives. The first level of giving I simply call the have-to giving, right? I have-to. I'm told that I'm supposed to. I'm uh, I'm told that it's the right thing to do. I know that it's sort of a thing, and so I'm going to do that, right? I I have to do it. I know that there are bills, or I know that there are things that need to take care of, so I have to do it. And and as we come up on Christmas, there are a couple of analogies that come to mind about a a have-to level of giving. You remember, at some point in your life, whether a, a child or maybe a youth or perhaps even a young adult... You came to the realization that Christmas wasn't just about your gifts that you got under the tree. You remember that? And at some point you realized, oh, maybe I ought to give my mom and dad a gift, or, or maybe I ought to give my siblings a gift. I don't really want to, but maybe I, I, ha- I should, right? I have to, right? You know that have to kind of thing? Uh, it may not just be that. You may, you, you may have other understandings of what we have to give, Right? But God's desiring not a have-to kind of mentality. God desires our hearts. God desires a relationship like Noah desired, right? I want to honor you, God, in a most extravagant way. It's why Jesus, when he lifts up giving on many occasions, he lifts up some uncommon analogies, like the one that's called the widow's mite. I mean, in the temple treasury, there are people dumping all kinds of big coins because they had big means, and, and she just drops two measly coins that literally aren't worth much of anything. And Jesus says, according to Mark Gospel in the 12th chapter, he just says, look, they gave out of their meagerly surplus, they gave what they wouldn't miss, basically, but she in her poverty, she gave everything, everything she had to live on because she wanted a relationship. She trusted that somehow God would provide, and she believed with all of her heart that she was grateful for whatever she had, and so she made an offering of all that she had. You see, that's a movement that we're looking for and that God yearns for in our relationship. What's well, the first level? I have to. The second level sounds a little bit more like this. I, I ought to. I ought to do this, right? I'm, I, I'm obligated. I feel as though this is a good and positive thing, but I, I don't really feel it, but I know I ought to, right? In the Christmas analogy, this might look something like this. If you've got Christmas gifts, like you have work colleagues and you feel a bit obligated to to get them something, right? You don't really want to, but you you feel like it's the right thing to do. Or uh, maybe extended family like aunts and uncles or nieces and nephews. You don't spend a lot of time with them, but golly, I feel obligated, like I ought to do this, right? You ever felt that? I ought to. feels a little better than I have to, but it's not where we want to be. It's not where Noah was, and it's not what God desires of us. It's why when Jesus talks to the man who had a substantial income, and he wanted to know genuinely, how can I inherit eternal life, he has this dialogue with Jesus. And and Jesus says, well, you know what the law says. And he says, yeah, I know the Ten Commandments, and I've done all those things. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything. I've fulfilled all those things. And then Luke chapter 18 tells us that Jesus' response back to the man was, well, there's still one thing left. You need to sell all your goods and give them to the poor and then you will build up for yourself a treasure in heaven and then you can come follow me. I don't believe for a second Jesus literally wants us to sell everything we have. But I do believe that he wants our whole heart and that represents what that could look like, right? That I, I, I'm tied somehow to this wealth, or I'm, I'm tied to something that keeps me from wanting to give an offering, that keeps me from knowing a full relationship with Jesus. I, I ought to. You now, the desire of God's heart, and what we really want to the core of our being, is we want to get to where Noah was, and that level of giving I simply call, I want to. I move from I have to to I ought to to I want to, God. I want to give something to you. I want to honor you. I want to deepen my connection with you and understand that just like reading Scripture or coming to worship or, or uh, uh, praying to you, God, that generosity is about a relationship with you, and I want to be there. And in the Christmas analogy, giving, it might look something like this. I want to give to my spouse at Christmas. I want to give to my children at Christmas, right? Because I see the joy in it. I see the opportunity, and it excites me, and it helps them. And and we get to this point that I want to do that, right? I want God to offer you my whole being. The Apostle Paul had a great way of putting it. When he he wrote to the Corinthian church, uh, among some of his letters, he was trying to invite them to uh, make donations back to the Mother Church in Jerusalem. And in 2 Corinthians, he he was lifting up the Macedonians because they had done an amazing job of being generous with the folks back in Jerusalem. And so in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, Paul just says to the Corinthians, hey, man, they, meaning the Macedonians, they asked, they literally asked, and they begged for the opportunity of the joy of giving back to the Christians in Jerusalem. Can you imagine? (laughs) They literally asked and begged. (laughs) When was the last time We asked or begged for the privilege of giving to God. You see, Noah understood that, and he recognized the glorious opportunity that it gave him to honor God and to give thanks to God. You know, there are many here in our community of faith who are that way, who have this deep yearning to want to give, and I'm so grateful. I want you to hear the story of Jim and Missy Scoggin, who, who uh, reside among us in faith here in the community. And, and they have a powerful story to tell of how they discovered how to trust and how to give generously and cheerfully because of that trust. Listen to their story. It's great.
1: I'm Jim Scoggin.
2: And I'm Missy Scoggin. And we have been members of TREAT since January of this year, 2023.
1: I think that the reason we enjoy TREACH, the reason we are faithful to TREACH, and in doing so, we're faithful to the Lord, I think, is because we've only been members since January. Uh, We wanted a church closer to home. We found it. We found a wonderful church home. We found a wonderful Sunday school class. The first time we ever walked into TREACH, we felt the Holy Spirit in ways that you don't always feel when you walk into a church. And the people, the enthusiasm, the Holy Spirit, that just the, the joy that just permeates that, that church uh, caused us to want to be generous to that church. That's one reason. I think the second reason is we trust leadership. We trust Daniel and the other leaders of that church, both lay leaders as well as clergy persons as well as other staff within that church. And that trust matters a lot. We also support the mission. We love the mission of that church and we love to see how it serves. And I believe and Missy believes that every penny we give to the church is put to good use to further the kingdom on earth, God's kingdom on earth and to serve people. And once again, generosity is an expression of of service and the ways to serve are not just giving, not just money, but we see the church do it in so many ways, and it's an absolute blessing.
2: Each time we give now, to me, that's just a reminder that um, I am totally trusting God, that I know He's the one in control, and when we give, that we are um, giving to further God's kingdom and to glorify Him, and that's what it's all about.
1: For those who are just getting started, um, you know, there are examples in the Bible of where the, the, the widow's might. she gave everything she had, and God honored that, and God cherished that. And I believe that, and we believe, that someone who gives, whatever you give, give with joy in your heart.
2: And it, and it reminds us in Second in Corinthians 9 that God wants a cheerful giver. He doesn't want somebody that's giving uh, because they feel forced to, or um, that they're just not sure whether they should be giving. That he, he delights in knowing that we are giving with joy. And so we just, it, we just never question when we give now. We, we just give with such a joyful and cheerful heart.
0: I love their story for several reasons, but not the least of which is you heard Missy talk about trust. We give now because we trust. We trust that somehow God's going to provide. We trust that somehow this is going to work itself out, right? And then the words of joy, what the joy of generosity brings, that's all about relationship. It's all about how we understand how God is there for us and with us. You know, in Scripture, both old and new, it talks about that we start our generosity with God in the church. The temple treasury is talked about in Malachi. And so we start there, and then we might broaden it out to other nonprofits or to other service organizations or perhaps even to other religious organizations, but we start in God's house. You know, Kay and I started tithing about 30 years ago. We we weren't always tithers, and it was scary to start, as some of you know, When you first start to tithe, it's very scary. Giving 10% off the top, trusting that somehow God will provide, trusting that somehow God's going to work this stuff out. But ever since, for the last 30 years, it has proven to work so well in how we know God is there for us, we know God is with us, we know God will provide. It changes our heart, and it changes our relationship with God. So much so that not only are we at the tithe right now, but over the next three years, because of the revival campaign, Kay and I are giving 15% of our gross income every single month because we believe that God can do powerful things through the life of this church, that God will do amazing things in and through the ministry of this church. And so I invite you to consider what your commitment will be over the next 12 months in 2024. You were given one of these cards when you entered the church this morning, and it's it's a way for us to challenge ourselves to that commitment. It's a way to acknowledge that God, I'm all in, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing, I want to honor you and give thanks to you, but most of all, what God's looking for is what moves our hearts. Throughout all of Scripture, that's what God is looking for, what moves our hearts. That's why I love the fact that uh, Missy highlighted, and so did Jim, really, 2 Corinthians 9, that that points out that we ought to make these decisions uh, from our hearts right? Uh, Not out of compulsion or pressure, because God loves a cheerful giver. Because when all is said and done, what God is looking for is a richer relationship with the giver. The desire of our heart wants to please God, wants to understand God more. So I'm going to invite you to complete this card today. Some of you may have done it online, and I'm grateful for that. I invite you to uh, submit it here anyway. We've got baskets here this morning and baskets in the back. So as you come to receive communion, we want to encourage you to make this offering here at the rail as you come and receive God's holy meal. If you're not ready to make that commitment, I understand. I certainly want to invite you into prayer, to prayerfully discern, to prayerfully listen for what God is calling you to because prayer is a two-way street, right? We want to express our, our, our concerns as well as our joys to God, and we want to listen for what God may be calling us to or how God may be speaking to us. But when all is said and done, here's what I believe. I believe what seems to be a wasteful thing, making an offering, is actually a joyful way to enrich our understanding of God. And when we genuinely know that, when we genuinely get that, then it changes our whole life's perspective, how we see the world, how we understand God, and how we relate to God's creation. I pray that we'll discover that as we make our commitments. So I invite you to prayerfully consider what you will commit to in 2024, and how, in particular, it will help you in a relationship with your Savior. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the opportunity we have to live faithfully each and every day. Thank you for the joy of generosity and the ways it claims our hearts. God, may we have the courage of Noah to wastefully give to you our whole hearts, to offer the very essence of our being, and to commit ourselves most fully to your cause. God, this is our prayer. And we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen. Hey friends, for your regular generosity, for the ways that you give week in and week out, I'm grateful. If you brought a gift with you today, we invite you to drop it in the brown boxes by the white columns, or you can scan the QR code that's on the screen or uh, text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777. But whatever you give, we are very grateful. Remember to bring your cards as you come forward this morning.